0: Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 87, Friday, July 31st, 2020. And ladies and gentlemen, Illinois politics, to put it bluntly, fucking suck. Since last week's episode, the worst case scenario has manifested itself for us betters here in the land of Lincoln. Last weekend, Governor J.B. Pritzker shockingly didn't extend the executive order lifting the in-person registration requirement for mobile sports betting, thus going back to requiring citizens here in the great state of Illinois to once again have to travel in person to a casino in order to register for mobile wagering. But the timing of all this is peculiar at best, and I'm not even close to being alone and feeling extremely pissed off and up in arms about all of it. So in this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, I am going to explain why we can't have nice things here in Illinois, and then I'm going to dive into some actual sports betting talk as we had the triumphant return of the NBA last night and with the NHL set to restart tomorrow. Uh, We're going to flip the calendar from July to August soon tonight, and we have a potentially very special period of sports ahead of us despite unprecedented uncertainty regarding covid And I also have some betting angles for you in hoops and an actionable baseball edge in the live betting markets that sharps don't want me to share out loud that can hopefully help you make some coin over the next few weeks. So let's dive right in. (laughs) So as you know from previous episodes, the provision in last year's Illinois sports wagering bill that requires people to register in person in order to access mobile sports wagering is one of the worst aspects of the Illinois legislation. It is proven in states that don't have this restriction that sports betting takes off when you don't require people to go register in person, and roughly 80 to 90% of Handle comes from mobile wagering in those states. But now we're in a global pandemic, and due to COVID keeping casinos shut down in early June Governor Pritzker issued his executive order lifting that very restriction on having to register in person. And that opened the door for bettors to register for online sports betting from the comfort of their couch. But the problem at that time was there was nowhere to even register. There was no places that were ready to start taking online bets. The only two books that had gone live before the pandemic for brick and mortar wagering were Rivers Casino outside, you know, just outside Chicago in Des Plaines, where the launch took place on March 9th, the official Illinois sports betting launch, and the Argosy Casino downstate in Alton, Illinois. And sure enough, soon after the executive order, Bet Rivers launched its online platform on June 18th, and since that day they've effectively enjoyed a complete monopoly on sports betting here in Illinois. On July 1st, casinos reopened, but with all their restrictions that we all know about due to COVID. And even so, over the past month, Bet Rivers has been the only game in town for sports betting here. They were the only ones that were licensed for mobile wagering, and anyone can log onto their computer remotely to register and start making bets at Bet Rivers. Now, it's important to note another important rule change that occurred on the same time frame we're talking about. And that's the emergency rule relating to co-branding. Without getting into the legal nitty-gritty and the boring legalese, although I'm happy to talk about that if you want to reach out to me privately, essentially what happened is previously, before the new rule on co-branding, Illinois rules and regulations only allowed online and mobile sports betting operations to be conducted under the brand of a master licensee or at least a brand owned by a company that owned at least an 80% stake in the licensee. And those master licensees were restricted or sorry, the master licenses were restricted to state casinos, racetracks and stadiums. So a company like FanDuel couldn't just come in and partner with the casino and then use the FanDuel logo on their offerings. But the new emergency rule on co-branding uh, from several weeks ago, a couple months ago now, changed that and essentially allowed online sportsbooks to enter the space and use their brand as long as the brand of the master license holder was also displayed at the same time. This new rule on co-branding was a game changer because it allowed a company like FanDuel and allowed a company like DraftKings to enter the space in partnership with a brick-and-mortar casino and use both brands on their product. So up until last weekend, there were there was tons of optimism in the sports betting space here in Illinois about the future of sports betting here in Illinois and other companies were making moves and quickly to enter the space and doing so right in time for sports starting back up. It's obviously timely because you know NBA just started yesterday, NHL starting tomorrow, but especially before football starts. You know, football's supposed to start up in just over a month. And last week you saw DraftKings acquire an ownership interest in Casino Queen down in East St. Louis and other companies like DraftKings were moving fast to get into the sports betting space here in Illinois. Because once you're live and once you start getting people to register online, in remote registration, that's it. They're set for good. They don't have to go back in and, and re-register in person. Then last weekend happened. And out of seemingly nowhere, and despite the fact that he extend, extended other emergency proclamations, Governor Pritzker didn't extend the lifting of that in-person registration requirement. So starting this Monday, the Monday of this week, we're back to square one with the penalty box provision and with the people here in Illinois required to physically visit brick-and-mortar locations in order to register for sports betting, despite the fact that we are in a global pandemic right now. This is not only the worst-case scenario for us bettors, but it's also the worst-case scenario for the growth of sports betting as a whole here in our state and it's the worst case scenario for companies and operators trying to enter the space and probably most importantly it's the worst case scenario for us as taxpayers because now we aren't even going to realize even close to the amount of state revenue not even in the same ballpark as we would have if pritzker extended the restriction on the in-person registration requirement um the timing of all this though is what's most baffling to me. And when you view it from a bird's eye view, the initial Pritzker executive order lifting that in-person registration requirement was timed absolutely perfectly for bet rivers from the start. It allowed them to quickly become a monopoly for sports betting here because they were the only ones licensed, the only and then the in-person requirement being lifted allowed them to swallow up everyone uh, looking to legally bet on sports here in Illinois and then right when other books were gearing up to launch here in the state in the next few weeks and, and next month or two, Pritzker's timing of not renewing the executive order was timed perfectly again for Bett Rivers. And It doesn't take much digging at all to see uh, that prominent Rivers executives have made some healthy donations to Pritzker's campaigns in the past, so the proof is pretty much in the pudding. Bett Rivers got exactly what they wanted here, Pulling the plug on the executive order just as DraftKings was about to launch is just the icing on the cake for them. So, like I said, now we're back at square one with the penalty box provision effectively in play, but BetRivers got to enjoy nearly one, like a a one-and-a-half-month period of not only having the Monopoly, but also the easier access for people registering uh, for their betting app from their couches. So, now all of us should be pretty pissed off. That's some bullshit. I warned you all when this first launched that the plug can be pulled at any time, so hopefully you were able to register for Bet Rivers yourself before this all happened. In last week's episode, I joked that pretty much the last thing people up here in Chicago want to do is travel down to East St. Louis in order to register for sports betting at DraftKings, which is the equivalent of driving from Chicago to Cincinnati. But now, I'm afraid that's exactly what you're going to have to do. This is Bet Rivers will argue that the law was written and passed the way it was for a reason, and that the penalty box provision exists for good reason, because Bet Rivers claims that DraftKings and FanDuel were getting ahead of the game uh, with their fantasy sports offerings the past few years, and this allowed, quote-unquote, others to catch up. The penalty box provision allowed others to catch up. And Bet Rivers will argue that was the intent of the law all along, which, I mean, is a pretty strong argument, because the law was written and passed with that year-and-a-half uh, in-person registration requirement before any online-only licenses can get uh, can be granted, but that doesn't change the fact that the provision in the Illinois sports betting law fucking sucks. <laughs> it sucks for all of us betters, and it's going to be the reason why Illinois lags behind other states in the months and even uh, next year, year and a half to come. But we're also still in a pandemic, 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 and people to casinos in the age of COVID. There are restrictions in casinos for a reason, but going in to physically register is the only way now for new bettors to get in the game. If I'm DraftKings and FanDuel and the other online operators who were about to enter the Illinois space before this all happened last weekend, I would argue that the recent Illinois Supreme Court decision on fantasy sports effectively allows fantasy sports here in Illinois, so the 2015 legal opinion by Attorney General Madigan was merely just that, just an opinion. And the fact that those companies were able to operate fantasy sports here since that time without being dealt with by law enforcement indicates that it was legitimate the whole time. And that was reinforced by the Supreme Court decision verifying the legality of fantasy sports here in Illinois. I would argue that nothing prevented Bett Rivers or other companies like them from entering the fantasy space during that time and gaining their own part of the market share. So now, looking back, the way the Illinois law was written is inherently... Unfair, and in practice this summer, it effectively created a monopoly for Bet Rivers. This is bullshit. But hold on, just when you thought that was enough, there's more. Last week, out of seemingly nowhere, Bet Rivers pulled certain events from their offerings on, on the Bet Rivers website, namely the PGA, NASCAR, and Korean baseball, uh, with the big one being golf. Essentially, the issue. Is with the way our wonderful Illinois sports betting law was written last year. After a lot of uncertainty, the Illinois Gaming Board finally released a statement on the issue uh, a few days ago that said, "Quote: The IGB did not instruct its sports wagering licensees to remove those leagues from their wagering options. However, the IGB does require all sports wagering licensees to comply with with requirements of the Sports Wagering Act, including the statutory requirement." to only offer wagering on professional sports, athletic events, or motor racing events as defined in Rule 1900 Section 120. End quote. Looking at Rule 1900 Section 120, it defines a pro sport or an athletic event as an event where two or more persons participate and receive compensation in excess of actual expenses for their participation in the event. And when you apply that to the PGA Tour, some players, namely the players who missed the cut, don't get paid. So that's likely the issue here, and last weekend we had plenty of people up in arms, including myself, over uh, this whole debacle. And the reason why the WGC FedEx St. Jude tournament for this weekend was put up at Bet Rivers for this week is because that event has no cuts after today. But people still want answers, and the poor communication from bet Rivers and even the Illinois Gaming Board understandably has frustrated a lot of people. So yesterday we had another illinois gaming board meeting the first since june 11th and in that meeting they indirectly addressed the issue uh, with markets being pulled down and said that the law states the igb must wait 30 days at a minimum before approving new markets and according to the igb yesterday they received 39 requests for approval of sports betting markets last thursday july 23rd and the pga is presumably one of them so Now they have to wait at least a full 30 days at a minimum before approving those markets. So what does this mean? It means it's likely that you won't be able to bet on the PGA Championship here in Illinois next week and any other PGA events until that one-month period passes. So you can probably expect it by the end of August, but we'll have to sit out golf betting for a few weeks due to yet another stupid technical aspect of the Illinois law. What are we doing? But a piece of good news among all this shit is that yesterday, the IGB-approved Hawthorne race course for a four-year master sports wagering license, which means that PointsBet, who they're partnered with, is coming our way very soon, Illinois friends. You'll have to drive to Hawthorne to register when they do go live, but that's not the same drive for Chicago people as East St. Louis is. And in terms of DraftKings and now other potential operators entering the space, only time will tell, but... You will have to go make that long drive to register. There will be other options out there this fall, but we're just not going to see that beautiful legal sports betting landscape that we were so very close to seeing here in Illinois. That won't be happening anytime soon, unfortunately. The next Illinois Gaming Board meeting is set for September 17th. This isn't the end of the legal saga relating to sports betting here in Illinois. And as always, the Doggy Juice Pod is here to keep you updated with the latest information and developments. But now, it's time to talk some actual sports betting. Major sports here in the U.S. are making their triumphant return, but it isn't coming without its hiccups. COVID scares are hitting pretty early on in Major League Baseball. Just today, we saw more players test positive, and three games involving six teams get postponed. There's a lot of trepidation, a lot of uncertainty moving forward, and if you spent a lot of time on season win totals and season-long player props. I'm afraid you might be seeing a lot of refunded tickets, as it looks like it's going to be very difficult. It's pretty heavy underdog to see all of the teams playing their full 60-game schedule. In terms of the actual games themselves, favorites went 14-2 and on the first full day of play, and then underdogs went 18-11-1 with some big plus money hits on Saturday and Sunday. It's just another fresh reminder not to overreact to any small sample trends and just the fact that we have to embrace the variance this year in a 60-game season. Obviously, we have some new rules in place for this truncated season, but the one that is having by far the biggest effect is the new extra innings rule. If you're not aware, the new rule states that an extra innings for every half frame – You have to have a runner starting on second with no outs. And I'm about to tell you something that, trust me, the Sharps don't want me to tell you. And that's that early returns have shown that some books have been caught sleeping on something. So in Major League Baseball, run expectancy is roughly 0.46 runs per half inning uh, with nobody on base to start with. But what happens when someone is on second base with no outs? When that's the case, run expectancy moves up to 1.1 runs, roughly, per half inning. So over the course of a full inning, that's 2.2 runs. So that translates to about a 2.2 run expectancy in the 10th inning and extra innings this year. That should be the new baseline. But a lot of books, especially early on, aren't pricing that properly in live wagering. And there have been opportunities to pounce and take advantage of of some really good value plays there. Over the weekend, every game that went to extra innings had multiple runs scored, and there was solid evidence that this whole thing was not being priced fully into in-game betting quite yet. So although it is nuanced, you should equip yourself with this information and look to play overs um, in in in-game betting towards the very end of games that look like they will be close late and have a great chance to go into extra innings. So you know, if the game's tied in the ninth inning or... You know, teams about to tie the game up you know so a situation like that look at the live line look at the live total and if there's a good chance that the the game's going to be going into extra innings you can use that 2.2 runs run expectancy in the 10th inning as part of your handicap instead of the usual you know uh, one point or or not even a run uh, per inning so um, it's it's an interesting development it's something to pay attention to I think the books will I mean it's they are accounting for it but probably not as much as they should be. Um, I finally checked it out and got involved myself on this the other night in two games, and I cashed on both those. One of them didn't even go to extra innings. That was the Red Sox and the Mets, but the other one involved the Yankees and the Astros. So it's definitely something to monitor moving forward, and this could be an edge for us uh, live wagering late in games, live betting those those overs. All right, moving on to the NBA. Last night, we saw the triumphant return of basketball, and boy, did it not disappoint with two close games, each one decided by exactly two points. The underdog and the under got the money in both games. Uh, The Jazz erased a mid-game deficit to beat the Pelicans, and then the Lakers also came back from being down to defeat the Clippers. Underbetters, myself included, had to sweat out overtime in both games in the last minute, Um, Ended up getting the money eventually, but it was a sweat. But it was just great to have the games back, even though it did feel a lot different. Home court advantage, obviously, is completely negated in the bubble. And most teams have literally nothing to play for early on besides jockeying for a favorable schedule of playoff opponents, which can be different for any team based on their own perceptions regarding who they think they match up best against. But there are teams with a lot to play for. So as a handicapper, make sure you are clearly aware of the potential motivations for these teams in the bubble, and as teams get eliminated and the bubble gets smaller. Before yesterday's games, we saw a huge move on the over in both contests. The Pelicans-Jazz game had been sitting at 221 on the total, and that moved up to 224.5, but Saw a huge move yesterday by tip off. It had jumped to as high as 229 at some spots. It was a consensus 228 and a half in the market, uh, but close 229 at some spots. The second game was similar, uh, settling out at around 220 after sitting at 216 earlier in the week. Both games went under rather easily, besides the, the overtime sweat at the end. My hypothesis over the past few weeks is that early on in the first few official games, we'd see players having a tougher time with uh, their more difficult finishing shots, like those floaters in traffic or finishing moves in the paint with a lot of players around you You know, getting fouled and finishing for those M1s. I think it's foreseeable also to see some rust with the defense kicking up a few notches now that the games count. So my theory is that we'd maybe see some more unders early on due to this. And also just due to general rust, you know, players are more out of shape uh, than they would be uh, in midseason form. But then gradually seeing defense fall by the wayside a bit more, uh, since you know we're in more of like an AAU scrimmage type of atmosphere, you know, with sloppier play and a lot more up and down. So I figured maybe we'd see you know a few more generally look more towards unders early on, but then more towards overs after those first few. Uh, days we've only seen two samples but both of those first two games yesterday confirmed my early hypothesis especially after seeing the overs jump up on game day um after watching the games last night another thing to consider is the notion that referees may be more likely to let the players play and swallow their whistle with the scrimmage type of atmosphere that we're seeing and the lack of fan energy the lack of pressure from the presence of fans being there um there might be something to that, and I will be watching closely over the next few days for clues to that. In terms of futures odds, we have the three big boys, as I've noted on previous podcasts, that their odds to win it all haven't really changed much at all, at all since before the pandemic. For value, the Celtics, I gave out a few podcasts ago, could get them a 20-1 to one to win the whole thing. I thought that that was pretty good value. But the Sixers... Also, if you're looking to play like a series-by-series series type of thing, uh, the series, the Sixers could have some market value as well um, as we actually enter the games that really count in the playoffs. In terms of notable line moves for the games taking place today and tomorrow, the Magic opened one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Nets. And they're now seven-and-a-half-point favorites. The Suns went from three-and-a-half-point favorites to seven versus the Wizards. Do the Wizards really even want to be there? And the 76ers went from 3.5-point favorites to 6-point favorites versus the Pacers for their game tomorrow. The Pacers have some major injury issues, so that's the reason for that one. From my perspective early on, the first few days of this, I think live betting is especially important. It already is in the NBA to begin with. just a game of runs, and you can really find some good edges live betting the NBA, but I think it's especially important for these first few days, so I'm not taking as many pre-flop positions um, but as the regular season continues in the bubble, we might see some really good live wagering opportunities. In hockey, we're about to see the expanded playoff tournament format in two bubble cities. No independent media is allowed inside the bubbles in uh, in Toronto and Edmonton. It's just the few handpicked NHL journalists within the bubble. They're, they're more the PR side, less informational reporting side. So, Therefore, informational handicapping in the NHL is going to be a lot more difficult for this postseason tournament. Uh, A best-of-five qualification round starts the playoffs tomorrow. The home teams are still going to have some advantages, like the last change advantage, and that's still built into the number. So therefore, your typical home advantage won't disappear totally. I know VEASAN's hockey expert, Andy McNeil, he still makes it a 1.5% home edge in his numbers for home teams heading into this, this special tournament. And he actually likes the Blackhawks over the Oilers in the qualifying round. Uh, the Blackhawks, I guess, score more goals at a higher rate um, in the, at even strength than the Oilers do, and they should have a goaltending edge too. And you could find the Blackhawks at you know, around plus 140-ish uh, in their qualifying round series. So it could be a way to look for all you Chicago homers, you hockey homers. But that's going to be interesting to watch. Just having NHL back will be exciting, and I don't doubt that there's going to be edges out there for NHL. I just don't make numbers uh, myself in the NHL or really handicap the NHL much. But I will be looking out for the the right information to hopefully get ahead of some line moves, and there will be opportunities. I do not doubt it. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. I know I said last week that I'll be giving out my NFL buy-and-sell teams this week for this season but then we had this Illinois news happen and the return of, of NBA and NHL. So I decided to couch that for next week. I've already given out a few of those, though. Um, hello, Cleveland Browns turnaround season. And I will have even more to give out next week as I continue to do my NFL preseason prep work. I'll also be breaking down the Champions League return, which is set for the weekend after this one as usual follow me on twitter and instagram at doggy juice be sure to check out bet chicago and bet indiana news for sports betting info and analysis i'll be back soon with more talk to you all next week doggy juice out (laughs)